0: I'm back to Sports Island. Of course, as you know, it's your getaway destination for sports news, and I am your host, Rick Mitchell. Well, this past week was very strange. Um, in fact, it was really kind of unprecedented in a lot of ways. Um, we had a social issue that caused a several-day midweek hiatus from sports, and that pause on sports made this podcast Very challenging for me, not only for content, but because of the main issues at hand. And there were sports that took place before the pause, and sports, of course, did resume over this weekend. So we do have some stuff to cover, but let's just go ahead and get started here. Um, We're going to change it up this week, and we are going to start off talking um, about the issue that's completely dominated sports this past week. Now, let me preface this by saying that I pride this podcast on making it free of any social, racial, or political issues, and I'll continue to do so, uh, but this past week in sports has really kind of forced my hand on this, and this issue made it to where there was, of course, like I said, a few days stoppage from sports, and that issue, of course, was the issue of the boycotting that took place this past week. Now, all major pro sports, including the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the WNBA, and MLS, all decided to take part in some form of a boycott in response to the Jacob Blake incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And these boycotts were supposed to be the athletes' demands for social and racial justice. Now, I'm not going to be discussing the actual police incident at all, but what I will say about it, is just like you would do with any other important issue, whether it's political, social, or even financial, I would just encourage everyone to gather the actual facts of the issue before just believing what the media is feeding us. Because we all know that the media has an agenda, and they do not always include all the information. Gather your facts and come up with your own factual opinion. But regarding the boycotting of the sporting events this past weekend, I just do not understand what these athletes think is going to happen. Uh, this country has never been perfect, and it will never be perfect. Police brutality is not the main issue plaguing this country, despite what the media says. Crime, poverty, and more recently, illness are the main issues that affect this country daily. Sure. Racism does exist, but racism is based off of hate and evil. And so is crime. So I would throw hate and evil into the top tier of issues plaguing this country as well. But hate and evil extend far beyond just racism. And I understand that these athletes have a platform to voice their opinion that millions get to see. But at the end of the day, you boycotting your game, two games a playoff series, a practice, etc. It's just not going to change this country. And in fact, I would argue that this is actually hoping to cause even more of a divide in this country right now. The amplification of these current police incidents and all of the recent protesting and demanding for justice has done nothing but tear this country even further apart. Sports is supposed to be an outlet for entertainment so we can appreciate the athlete's talent in a competitive manner. Um, Everyone wants to cheer on their team in the hopes that they are going to win the championship. And politics and sports are not made to be together. Sports is its own entity and should not involve anything political. And the sports world resumed this past weekend after the boycotts occurred during the middle of the week. And I sure hope that these boycotts are done and do not extend into the NFL season that's quickly approaching, although I'm sure we're going to see some form of that throughout the season, and there's already an abundance of NFL players who have said that they're going to come out kneeling for the national anthem this year, etc. But hopefully that's, that's about the extent of that. But at what point can we start protesting and causing an uproar over all the people out committing crimes and looking to do harm and evil on others? When do those protests start? Because I promise you, that's something worth protesting about. You wouldn't have to worry about any police incidents if people would be held accountable for their actions and act like civilized human beings. It's really not asking a lot for someone to act civilized. So to all these athletes, stop blabbing about change needing to happen. Talk is cheap. Since you are just so oppressed by having the freedom and the privilege to play a professional sport and make millions of dollars for a living... Retire from your sport and come be a part of the change. Donate all of your millions to police departments for the betterment of the change that you demand. And come work on the front lines for a less than ideal salary. Police departments all across the nation are hiring right now in bunches. So come on out and see if you got what it takes to make this change. Change starts with you. Do something about it. Something other than just not showing up to your luxurious, privileged job to prove a point. And to further illustrate my point, I came across this post on Facebook, and it's gone somewhat viral. It's a letter written to LeBron James and presumably everybody else that has the same viewpoint as LeBron James, including the media. And it's written by an African-American father whose name is Patrick Hampton. And here's what the letter says. I'm going to read it. It says, Dear LeBron James, You don't speak for me or my boys. I am the father of four brown boys, and it's my responsibility as a father to protect and serve them. There is no need for police in my home, because as the father, I'm the authority in my home. Police are needed where fathers and law and order are absent. When there is no father to protect and serve children, police have to move into that community to protect and serve. Where there is no father or authority in the home or neighborhood, young men rebel. This is why police are having a hard time gaining compliance with fatherless boys on the side of the road. They refuse to sit down, be quiet, and comply. Why? Because the police are the first men to tell them no and assert their authority. These boys have spent years under no one's authority. This is the main problem. Hashtag accepting authority. So please don't speak for me and my boys. Me and my boys are not terrified of the police because we respect the police and accept their authority. That's because they first had to respect me as their father and accept my authority. Actually, one of them wants to be a police officer. You, LeBron, are trying to destroy that dream by granting police officer, uh, painting police officers in a negative light when most are good guys. We are terrified of the black men that kill each other in, the ne- in their black neighborhoods every day. We are afraid of the black men that threaten us and call us Uncle Toms for desiring to live a peaceful and successful life. We are aware of the fact that 93% of all black homicides are by black men, and he cites the Bureau of Justice Statistics on that. If you really want to help fatherless boys like yourself, stop using fear tactics and guilt trips. Help promote legislation like Equal Shared Parenting that helps divorced dads and single dads have more time with their children without paying more child support. Help get legislation passed to make child support more fair and equal. Fund programs like my former hashtag good, guys, good girls program killed by Obamacare that helped young black youth save sex until marriage, learn their history, learn to respect police, develop work ethic, and accomplish their goals. Stop blaming the police and help build better fathers. Stop saying police need more training, and train more dads and young black boys on the rule of the law and police protocols. Remember, there are millions of black and brown boys out there that are not being killed by police. They are alive and doing quite well. How? We obey the law, comply with police, and if the police does something wrong or unethical, they live to fight in court, and not on the side of the road. Signed, Patrick D. Hampton. I couldn't have summed it up any better than that. Mr. Hampton used common sense, personal experience, and actual facts to produce the most accurate piece of literature on this topic that I have ever seen. So my hat's off to you, Mr. Hampton. You have a wonderful family, and I hope your boys can accomplish all of their dreams. But now that we got that out of the way, we'll move on to our usual leadoff hitter, which is, of course, the PGA Tour. And last week's tournament was the BMW Championship, which was held at Olympia Fields Country Club in Olympia Fields, Illinois. The field consisted of only the top 70 golfers in the FedEx Cup standings. And the golf looked much different than it did last week when we saw some record low scores. And in fact, this week was the exact opposite. We didn't see really any low scores. Uh, Only three players were under par after the first round, and only two players were under par after rounds two and three. And at one point, for a few holes late in Saturday's third round, there were zero golfers under par. So Olympia Fields gave the golfers everything they could handle and then some. And it was actually really refreshing to see them struggle and really have to earn their scores out there. I mean, some of the best golfers in the world posted some really high scores this past weekend. But when the tournament was all said and done, the golf was absolutely amazing. The tournament came down to the wire between John Rahm and Dustin Johnson. Rahm was the clubhouse leader at 4-under. So when DJ came up to 18, he just needed a birdie to force a playoff hole. Well, DJ's second shot landed on the green, but 43 feet away from the cup. So... What does DJ do? He just goes out and casually drains a 43-foot birdie putt to force the playoff hole with John Rom. So DJ and Rom they teed it up again from 18, and of course they were both on the green in two. Uh, Rom was away, so he putted first, and Rom was actually 66 feet from the cup. So he lets this putt go. And it had a massive left-to-right break on it. I mean, it just kept going and going. And then it dropped in for a 66-foot birdie. And then DJ missed his birdie putt. So Rom ended up winning. Uh, It was just unbelievable. Those are the top two ranked golfers in the world right now. And they just put on an absolute show. But let's check out Rick's picks to click from this past weekend's BMW Championship. And last week, I gave you Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Dustin Johnson as my picks to click. Well, they all finished inside the top 25, so I technically clicked on all three, but it definitely was not pretty. Justin Thomas finished the tournament at 6 over, which was good for 25th. Colin Morikawa finished at 5 over, which was good for 20th. And those two guys were just in a cluster of highly ranked players that finished in that plus three to plus six range. I mean, when I say the course played insanely difficult this past weekend, just go look at the final scores to see how hard it was for these guys. Uh, But my final pick to click was Dustin Johnson. And as we've already discussed, he just lost in a playoff hole to John Rahm, which gave him second place. Now, I picked DJ as one of my picks last week and he won for me, so he almost made me a back-to-back winner. But second place is not too shabby. But this week the PGA Tour heads over to East Lake Golf Club, which is in Atlanta, Georgia. And Eastlake is playing host to the Tour Championship, which is the final event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And this tournament's only a three-day event going fr- uh, Friday through Sunday. The winner of this tournament wins the FedEx Cup. So, we can expect to see the best of the best come out and shine. Now, this course is going to play at a par 70, and the field is only going to be the top 30 players in the FedEx Cup standings. And in addition to the very shortened field, the scoring is also adjusted this week. And the golfers are given strokes to start off with for their round on Friday. And the number of strokes given to them is based off of where they finished in the FedEx Cup standings. So this week, Dustin Johnson, who finished at atop the FedEx Cup standings, is going to start his round on Friday at ten under par. John Rahm was number two, so he's going to start at eight under par. Justin Thomas was third, so he's going to finish at seven under, or start at seven under. Webb Simpson's going to start at six under. Colin Morikawa is going to start at five under, and then the groups of players in. Uh, Anywhere between five and six players are going to start at four under, three under, two under, one under, and then there's five guys that are going to start at even par, just like you would in a normal week. Those are the bottom five in the FedEx Cup standings. But since the scoring's adjusted this week, in addition to that small field of only 30 players, we're going to take a week off from Rick's picks to click. Uh, But I will say that based on the way that Dustin Johnson and John Rahm have played the last two weeks, I just do not see them being anywhere but near the top, especially given the fact that they're starting off with the most strokes given to them. But uh, we'll head over to the National Basketball Association. Now, the NBA is moving right along in their playoffs as well. A couple weeks ago, I made my quarterfinal round selections, and uh, the Western Conference is still finishing up they're half of the quarterfinals. they got a couple game sevens this week. So I'll recap those picks on next week's episode. But the Eastern Conference has all finished up with their quarterfinal round, and they've actually began playing their semifinal round this past weekend. So let's revisit my Eastern Conference quarterfinal round picks and check out my semifinal round predictions. And we'll start off the round one recap with the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. They played the number eight seed Orlando Magic, and I predicted that Milwaukee would win the series in five games, and I was correct about both predictions. The Bucs actually lost game one, but then found their game and rattled off four straight wins to send the Magic home in five games. No surprise there, but next, the number two seed Toronto Raptors played the number seven seed Brooklyn Nets. I mentioned how the Nets were missing all of their key pieces and really did not stand a chance to win. And I was correct about that as well, because I predicted Toronto would win in five games, but they actually swept the Nets in four games. Uh, Next, the number three seed Boston Celtics played the number six seed Philadelphia 76ers. And the 76ers were without all-star Ben Simmons in this series, but Boston lost an all-star of their own in game one when Gordon Hayward sprained his ankle. Hayward's going to miss several weeks. But I I predicted that Boston would win the series in six games. Boston came out looking really good. I mean, they dominated the series and actually ended up sweeping Philadelphia in four games. But finally, the number four seed Indiana Pacers played the number five seed Miami Heat. And I mentioned how that series was the hardest for me to pick. But I did predict that Miami would win in a competitive seven-game series. Well, Miami won, so I was right about that. But they made it look easy. They swept Indiana. Four games. I just couldn't, I I did not see that coming. But uh, in conclusion, I predicted that all four of the Eastern Conference series would end up like they did. So I went 4-0 in the Eastern Conference semifinal predictions. And that's the unbelievable fact in the playoffs so far is that three of the four Series in the East were sweeps, and oddly enough, the only series that wasn't a sweep was the Bucks Magic series, where the Bucks are the, the top seed. Um, I definitely did not see the three sweeps coming, but uh, the semi final round matchups are set, so let's go check those out real quick. Um, the Bucks they're playing the Heat, and this one's tough. The Heat just dominated the Pacers in the first round and looked really impressive while doing that. And the Bucks, they had that hiccup in Game One, but they turned it around. They found their stroke, and uh, I, I I want to pick Miami for the upset uh, in the series. But Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo, he is one of the faces of the NBA. So, in the spirit of the NBA being the most fixed of the major pro sports, I'm gonna say that the Bucks are gonna win in six games. But I would not be surprised at all if Miami won the series. Now, the other Eastern Conference series is the number 2 seed Toronto Raptors playing the number 3 seed Boston Celtics. This is going to be another very good series. And I mentioned that Celtics forward Gordon Hayward is out with an injury. But the Celtics have a very deep roster and one of the better young players in the game in Jason Tater. And the Raptors, on the other hand... They're the defending NBA champions, so they didn't get here by mistake. And Nick Nurse is a terrific coach. Uh, Both teams are coming off a first-round sweep, so there's really no competitive edge in this one either way. This is as close to a coin flip for me as can be, but uh, I'm going to take Toronto in seven games only because of the Hayward injury in Boston. But just like the other series, I would not be surprised to see Boston advance. But uh, we're going to go ahead and go around the island now. Bunch of quick hit topics to get into. And we're going to start off with the National Football League. There have been several more teams that have been hit with the injury bug in training camp. And this past week, Chicago Bears starting running back David Montgomery had to be carted off the field with an apparent lower body injury. And it was later confirmed that Montgomery strained his groin and was going to miss some time. And how much time he misses is still up in the air. But at least it wasn't uh, a tear or anything worse. Uh, But I saw the video of the injury and it did not look good at all. Uh, It sounds like Montgomery is possibly going to be ready for the season opener in a couple weeks. So that's good news for the Bears and for fantasy football players. But the New York Giants also got hit with the injury bug. They had two players come up with significant injuries this past week. The bigger impact injury was that of second-round rookie safety Xavier McKinney. And McKinney sustained a fractured left foot in practice. And there there's hope that McKinney can return late in November uh, and that his rookie season's not completely lost. But uh, that's still going to be decided based on if uh, the extent of the surgery or whatever treatment he's going to receive. But uh, McKinney's injury means that the top two safeties from this year's NFL draft have been injured. Of course, the other was Grant Delpit, who we talked about last week. But the second injury for the Giants was linebacker David Mayo. He tore his meniscus in his left knee, so he's going to have surgery, and he's done for the year. But the biggest injury news came out of Los Angeles. The Chargers announced that their stud safety, Derwin James, uh, who had injured his knee in practice this past week, is going to need surgery, and he's going to be out six to eight months. That means that we will not see Derwin James on the field this year, which is a bummer because he is just a beast. and He had so much success his rookie year, but he's just really struggled to stay healthy since then. Now, this is his third season. But some other NFL news involves a trade. The Jacksonville Jaguars have finally traded their all-pro defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe. And if you recall, Ngakwe had the franchise tag placed on him because he did not want to sign a long-term contract with Jacksonville. Ngakwe threatened to hold out until he was either paid or traded. The Jaguars originally were said to be asking a steep price for Ngakwe, but Minnesota Vikings came calling at the right time, I guess, because it's just prior to the season. And uh, the Jaguars are going to send Ngakwe to Minnesota for a second-round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick this year. And that fifth-round pick could become a third-round pick depending on the Jaguars' performance. So even if the Jaguars end up with a second- and third-round pick out of the deal, uh, I just don't think that that was really what they were expecting to get. Uh, I think the Jags were wanting a first-rounder of some sort from anybody. But uh, either way, they got rid of Ngakwe. Ngakwe got his wish. He's on the Vikings. And he's definitely going to bolster that Minnesota defense. But speaking, again, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, they announced on Monday that they just released their starting running back, Leonard Fournette. Fournette was the fourth overall pick in the 2017 draft. And last season was by far his best in the NFL. But his time in Jacksonville was just completely tumultuous. Uh, Up and down. And he had plenty of issues with Jacksonville. The the Jaguars said that they tried really hard to trade him, I guess, all offseason. But they couldn't find any takers. And, I mean, I just I find that hard to believe that they couldn't get any kind of compensation for him. But it is what it is. Uh, Fournette's a free agent now at just under two weeks before the season. And I don't know about you, but to me, this smells like a New England Patriots signing right here. Solid veteran player on a cheap deal. You know Bill Belichick's swindling some kind of deal right now. But uh, some other news... Out of New Orleans, Saints running back Alvin Kamara had several unexcused absences from practice this past week, and those absences are believed to be contract-related. Yikes. That ain't good for the Saints at all, or for fantasy football players. Uh, This hasn't been deemed a holdout yet, but it sounds like if it keeps going, it it may end up in one. And Kamara is playing on the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, he's obviously due for a substantial pay raise this year, um, At either now or at the end of the season. The Saints better get that figured out and in a hurry because the season starts in two weeks and they're not going anywhere without Camara. But the final piece of the NFL news deals with their COVID testing protocols. The NFL and the NFLPA announced that they have tweaked their COVID-19 protocols to minimize the chance that an individual could miss a game due to a false positive test. So an initial test will continue to be followed by two more tests, a nasal swab to be assessed in a lab, as well as a point-of-care test. And players, coaches, and other staff members whose initial tests results are positive, must isolate from the team while awaiting the additional test results to come back. But they now can be cleared on the same day if both test results immediately come back negative. And this is going to be interesting to see how this turns out, because the NFL is choosing the same formula as Major League Baseball did, which is foregoing a bubble and allowing teams to play in their home venues. But the good news for the NFL is that they have had the most time out of any of the major pro sports to develop their COVID protocols. So hopefully these new additions make it to where the false positives are eliminated and teams will have fewer games postponed due to a false positive test. But next up is the NCAA and college football. And remember all that nonsense about the Big Ten postponing their football season until the spring? And do you also remember all that news about how just last week Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren came out and said that their decision was final and that they wouldn't revisit the idea? Yeah, I do too. Well, here we are, less than a week removed from Commissioner Warren's comments. Uh, and now reports are coming out that the Big Ten is considering a football schedule in which the season would begin the week of Thanksgiving. And Bruce Feldman of the Athletic reported that it is quote a real possibility that the Big Ten may try to reverse course and play football later this fall. What in the hell is the Big Ten doing? Like cue the the Benny Hill music. All right, Uh, you know what? I got you covered. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, this is getting ridiculous. Uh, If these reports are true, it appears that the Big Ten realized that they royally screwed up by not postponing football while allowing students on campus. I mean, these Power Five schools are all about the almighty dollar. And when the Big Ten realized that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 called the Big Ten's bluff and they're rocking and rolling with their seasons... The Big Ten, they don't want to miss out on that money, so here they come. I think the Thanksgiving start date is the Big Ten's way of saying that they screwed up without actually admitting it, Uh, because admitting it would mean that they start their season at the end of September like everybody else, and they don't want to look like a bigger joke than they do now, so they decided a two-month postponement still makes people believe that they actually care about being, quote, safe instead of, wanting to be in on the big money like the other Power 5 schools. And there's also been people questioning that, whether the winner of this year's college football playoffs is going to actually count due to the lack of the Big Ten and Pac-12 taking part in the season. Well, Big Ten and Pac-12, here's your chance to get back in. And starting in November is not going to cut it. You need to start in September Like everybody else. And if we're being honest, we really don't need the Big Ten in the college football playoffs because they don't win the championship. Uh, In the last 20 college football seasons, going back to the year 2000, the national championship has been won by the Big Ten twice. And both of those were Ohio State. Once in 2002, the other in 2014. 2014. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 have also won two titles, while the ACC has four. Then the SEC comes steamrolling in with 11 titles in that time frame. So in the last 20 years, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, which are the Power 5 conferences actually participating in the college football playoffs this year, are responsible for 17 of the last 20 national championships. So I would say that the winner of this year's college football play, uh, playoffs is going to be more than deserving of that trophy because you can't debate those numbers. But uh, we'll move on to uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, we saw the league's first no-hitter of the 2020 season this past week. Uh, Chicago White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito tossed a no-hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Giolito struck out 13 batters in that game, which was the most strikeouts during a no-hitter in White Sox team history. Uh, But the major news out of Major League Baseball this past week deals with their playoffs, and the MLB is finally moving to a bubble. After weeks and weeks and weeks of positive tests, Uh, the MLB announced this past week that they're officially going to be moving to a bubble format for the 2020 playoffs. ESPN baseball insider Jeff Passan broke the news regarding the bubble, and Passan did say that the locations have not officially been confirmed by the MLB, but that the plans are coming together. Uh, Texas and California have been chosen as the host states, and the plan is for the American League teams to play their playoff games in Los Angeles and San Diego, California, and the National League is going to play their playoff games in Arlington and Houston, Texas, and the World Series is scheduled to be played in Arlington, Texas. So the Texas Rangers open their brand new field, Globe Life Field, this year, so, and it's an it's inaugural season. They get to host the World Series in the inaugural season of their new stadium, which is awesome especially since the Rangers won't be sniffing the playoffs anytime soon. But the final piece of MLB news broke on Sunday afternoon, and that Sunday's game between the Oakland A's and the Houston Astros was postponed due to a member of the Oakland A's organization testing positive for the coronavirus. This game was the series finale, and uh, it was postponed just four hours before the first pitch was scheduled to be thrown. And the A's are going to be self-isolating in their hotel in Houston. And they've already done their contact tracing and everything. And as of now, only one member is tested positive. So we hope it stops there. But uh, if more members start testing positive, uh, I'm sure they're going to have a couple series postponed. The A's next series begins Tuesday against Seattle. And uh, the Houston Astros, their next series... Uh, also begins Tuesday, it's against the Texas Rangers. And the MLB just came out and announced that that series is going to be played as scheduled, so the Rangers are going to occupy the same clubhouse that the A's just used. Now, the clubhouse was sanitized and cleaned on Saturday night, but it underwent a deeper, more thorough cleaning Sunday. So even in a week where baseball took a couple days off to show their support for this social issue, they still came out with another positive test. Now there's just never a dull moment in the MLB, is there? I'm running out of jokes to make about the MLB so far, Uh, but these positive tests are just making it making the playoff bubble even more mandatory at this point. But uh, next up's the National Hockey League. the uh, The NHL is going to be conducting or concluding rather the second round of their playoffs this week. So we're going to check in on my semifinal round predictions on next week's episode. Uh, but some important news out of the NHL deals with the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes, who snuck into the playoffs this year because of the expansion, uh, they actually upset the Predators in the qualifying round, but then got beat in five games by the Avalanche in the quarterfinal round. Uh, so now the Coyotes are officially in their offseason. Man, it's off to a rough start. Uh, the NHL or the, the NHL announced that uh, the Arizona Coyotes had violated the league's combine testing policy, and the sanctions that they brought against Arizona were taking away Arizona's second round draft pick this year and first round draft pick in twenty twenty one. Now, keep in mind that Arizona traded its first round pick to New Jersey back in December, uh, in order to acquire Taylor Hall. So now, the Coyotes are going to be without their first and second round picks this year and their first round pick next year. Yikes. Oh, and did I mention that Taylor Hall is scheduled to be a free agent this offseason? And Because there's a good chance that they're going to lose him, too. Taylor Hall recently said that, quote, winning is what I'm after. When he was asked about his impending free agency. Well I got news for you Mr. Hall. You ain't winning in Arizona. Which means that I got news for Arizona as well. You're not re-signing Taylor Hall. And that's an ugly situation going on in Arizona. Definitely not a great time to be a Coyotes fan. That's for sure. But uh, another quick note on the PGA Tour. Uh, PGA announced that they've amended their schedule regarding the events that were scheduled to take place in Asia. Uh, the PGA was scheduled to play three events in Asia in the month of October, and those events were the CJ Cup Nine Bridges Zozo Championship and the World Golf Championship HSBC Championship. So the CJ Cup Nine Bridges, which was scheduled to be played at uh, Jeju Island Golf Club in Korea, that event has now been moved to the Shadow Creek Golf Club in Las Vegas and is going to take place October 15th through 18th. Now, the Zozo, which is the next weekend, October 22nd through the 25th, is originally scheduled to be played at the Accordia Golf Narashino Country Club in Shiba, Japan. So that event got moved to the Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks, California. But the event that's following the Zozo Championship would be the World Golf Championships HSBC event that was scheduled for October 29th through November 1st. The reports on that indicate that that event may be canceled. Um, But if it's not canceled, uh, I would certainly expect it to be moved to the U.S. uh, at some course, probably on the the West Coast. But... um, that's going to wrap up the 11th episode of Sports Island. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it, uh, as always. Uh, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you sharing it with anybody, telling anybody about it. But uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, at Sports Island Podcast. Podcasts, courses on all the major platforms. But uh, let's hope these next few weeks moving forward can be focused on sports and the true entertainment that they provide. But I hope you all have a good week. Stay safe, be well, and we'll catch you on Sports Island next week.